Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. Guys, welcome back to Construct Your Life. This is Austin Linney here, and I have the honor of having Miss Susanna here. How are you doing today? Hi, Austin. I'm doing really great. Thanks for having me on your podcast. It's great. Guys, I apologize ahead of time. CPA, you see it next to her name and you're like, Ugh, I can't do it. But I'm going to let you know something. The number one thing that you can do for yourself and for your business is the unsexy, scary things in the closet. That's how you make real wealth. That's And so that's why I'm so excited to have this conversation. She's got a book coming out. We're actually going to release this uh, like five days before the book so we can get some momentum for you. And, and I can't thank you enough. And thank you, Amber, for, for connecting us. And uh, what I'd like to do with my guests is let them kind of start their story where they want to, and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, you know, I am so excited about this book. You know, it's been a project in the making for years. Um, And so when I got the opportunity to partner with Mike Michalowicz, you know, the original author of the original Profit First, which, you know, Austin seems like you've seen a lot of accountants lately. So (laughs) I'm sure we're all talking about it. Like account, accountants and marketers, you know, they're in my life right now, you know, for some reason. <laughs> that is funny. Oh my goodness. That is so funny. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's just been a book in the, in, in the making that has, I think the world has been wanting to know for a long time. Like literally as soon as we announced it, it hit number one new release and we hadn't even published the book. I'm like, you shouldn't hit number one new release until you publish a book. But um, that's how much the world was really wanting this book. And it's interesting because it started because, you know, my background is I'm I'm a Ohio State graduate, so go Bucks if there's any Bucks out there. And um, my first job out of college was at Arthur Anderson in Chicago, like right in you know 33 Western Row, their 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 flagship office. And when I was moving from Ohio to Chicago, I asked all my coworkers, I'm like, where should I live? You know, where should I live? Because I love Chicago. I don't know anything about it, right? Isn't that how we all are when we start out for our lives? And all my coworkers, you know, meaning well, they all told me, you know, live in Lincoln Park, live in Lakeview, you know, maybe the Gold Coast. So whatever you do, whatever you do, stay away from the south side of Chicago, stay away from the south side of Chicago, stay away from the west side of Chicago. And, you know, and they meant absolutely well, you know. And and so naturally not knowing Chicago, I moved to like smack in the middle, but right between Lincoln Park and Lakeview, right? Yeah. Everybody drove a Jetta and their name was Barbie and Ken. Okay, you get the yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, eventually, one of the things about me is I'm one of those people that just explores different parts of town. You know, I'll get in a mm-hmm. bus. My mom will kill me when she hears your mo- your podcast, Austin. And I'll just get on a bus. I'm like, wherever God takes me, I will go, right? Yeah. Because, you know, I think all of us being writers, you know, there's a creativity about us that just loves to hear other people's stories. And so I would, I got, would get on this bus and I would just get on this bus and I would grab another bus. I had no idea where I was going. I would just end up in like these weird parts of town. And when I ventured into the South side, it was definitely different than the North side. Now the buildings were about the same age, right? Cause Chicago just grew up with Chicago. 
but it definitely didn't have, you know, the, the nice stores that you saw on the North side, the Jamba Juice on every corner, the LA fitnesses, like none of that was on the South side of Chicago. Like literally it looked like it was just barren, um, you know, and, you know, there were buses everywhere, people walking and, you know, definitely not a lot of money, definitely not a lot of opportunities. And I'm the kind of person where things just stay with me a little bit longer than the normal, right? I'm just a deep thinker. And I'm like, you know, you know, this is terrible. You know, you have a whole nother side of town. You split like the third largest city in half. And there's such a big economic disparity. Like, how can yeah. that possibly be? You know, how mm-hmm. can that possibly be that it's a complete economic disparity between one side of town versus another? And it was a question that just kept coming up and coming up and coming up and coming up in my head. And then like, um, a, a, you know, a few years before what happened was, you know, I went to visit my aunt and I love my auntie to death, but she lives in Chester, Pennsylvania, which is a suburb of Philadelphia. And most of the time when you think of suburbs, you think of nice places. This is not a nice place necessarily. You know, you've got the houses that are stuck together. Um, and, you know, and I remember like going and pulling up at her house or in her townhome and there was an alley right in the back of her home. And there was a utility post, right? And this utility post looked a little bit different because it had flowers all over, balloons, teddy bears. Like it was like a beautiful shrine to something. And I remember getting out of my car, my auntie comes and greets me. And I'm like, Auntie, why why are we why are we decorating poles now? <laughs> you know, like what's kind of what kind of religion is going on here? And she's like, you know, actually, Suzanne's really sad. A little boy got shot. He was caught in the middle of gang fire right behind our house. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. And so, you know, it's kind of like when something happens, you know, and you you keep getting that nudge on God on your back of your shoulder, like you got to do something about this. You got to do something about this. And, you know, being a CPA that works with entrepreneurs, that works with small businesses, that works with Profit First, you know, you know, I have literally seen Profit First. I'm not going to go too much into Profit First because you guys know a lot about it. It's about taking your Profit First, right? Instead of revenue minus expenses equals profit is revenue minus profit equals expenses, right? And, and literally, you know, I've seen people, you know, most of them not of color, right? Because, you know, unfortunately, being people of color, a lot of times, you know, they're learning business the first time. So they don't go to a CPA, they go to H&R Block, people that don't really advise them what they need to do. And so most of my clients were not of color. And I was literally watching them become millionaires using the profit first methodology. Literally, they were great at sales. And now because they were profit, but they were prioritizing their profit, they were becoming millionaires. And I'm like, you know what, that's exactly what's needed in the minority community. We need to teach people how to run businesses because that is how we create jobs in our community. And when we're people of color, when we create jobs and we create opportunities and we create success, right? We don't just change the legacy of our own family, right? Um, and and yes, we have the impact on our kids and their generation will be different, but we also change the legacy of those people in our community. So we change our neighbor's legacy, their kids' legacy, right? And we really show examples in the world. And that's why I was like, this book is needed. We need to get it into the communities of people of color that they, we need to take our profit first. Because as people of color, you know, a lot of times we're first generation to do this, right? If you're from a foreign family, right? Or first generation, like my dad is Chinese, right? And he was I was literally first generation American. My mother's African American, and literally, you know, the generation before her, you know, was a sharecropper. The generation before that was one generation removed from slavery, right? And so we didn't have this wealth that was inherited to us. We didn't have this know-how that was given to us, right? We literally had to pave our own way. 
And literally, I was the first one in my mom's family, you know, uh, to be a black woman to graduate from college, right? And that's exactly what's going on in, in, in communities of color is a lot of times we were the first generation to really pave a different way. And this is the first generation that's going to be doing that if it hasn't been done already. It's, hey, I told you I wanted to save it for the podcast. It's interesting to me, right? Because, um, my dad's a doctor, uh, you know, everybody that listens to my podcast, they know my story. Uh, and as, as I got older, you know, like the houses got nicer, the areas we lived on a golf course, you know, the whole nine, but somewhere inside me, and maybe it's cause I worked in the restaurant hotel business for 20 years and I hung around, uh, a lot of Hispanics and a lot of just people in general, it doesn't matter where I came from. I have this draw to like share people's story and, and, and I relate with everybody. It's just who I am. And we were just talking about this the other day with my high school friends who are my best friends. Like we, we, we don't care like purple, brown, yellow, it doesn't matter. But when everything was happening last year um, with the riots and everything was going down, I have a friend who's an entrepreneur who's African-American in Memphis and she does trading and she's a teacher and, her, and she's trying to teach people how to like, do money and everything. And so we, I brought her on the podcast. We had a real high intense conversation about just poverty, African-American, white people, white privilege, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm comfortable. Like I'm, I'm having the conversation. And she said something to me that, that blew me away. And it changed every way I look at it is that like the things that I take for granted as a white man, just in general, fuck that. A, a, a guy that had money that was in a nice school. I'll just use it from there. Screw the white black. Uh, I'm just more available to the options, like meaning like the knowledge of the thing in general. And she was like, Austin, people don't even understand like how to get a loan. Like, and she comes from inner city Philly. People don't even understand like how a credit card works. They don't even, and, and like, they don't even know what stocks are. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. I'm like, that can't be real. And cause I used to work private equity and that's how I learned about money. And she's like, yes, it can. And I'm like, okay, well, what can I do? And I thought to myself, like, do I go change the 50 year old? Probably not. Do I go change the 60 year old? Probably not. Can I affect the 30 year old? Probably so. But where it starts, where the, where the, where the most ripple effect of impact creates is a middle school, high school kids. Like those, and I, and I, so I was a drug addict and I was homeless and I was an alcoholic for 20 years. I'm sober now. I've lost a bunch of weight and everybody think everybody keeps telling me like, you need to come speak to the kids. And I love it. Right. Cause I come at stuff from a different angle. And I thought to myself, like the lack of financial education in America, even in the, even in the high end community, let's say the high end community is scary to say the least. And, it, and it's like, that's why this stuff, that's why this conversation is so important. Because when you, when you break down the argument, like I'm the first one. And you know what she always says? My favorite, one of my favorite quotes. Every family needs that stunner to come along to create the, the change. And I actually think in my later part of life, I'm going to create a, a podcast centered around one thing and one thing only. Interviewing the family member that broke the generational poverty because they're not doing it for themselves. They're doing it for the generation following them. And that takes a lot of energy and a lot of fortitude. 
Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I talk in the book just about my dad's story. Actually, Mike McCallot talks about it in, in the Ford. You know, my dad was, you know, first generation to to come to this country, right? And and he went to Berea College in Kentucky, and you know, obviously being Chinese from Hong Kong, you know, he had an accent, right? And, um, you know, he was magna cum laude of his graduating class, like, whoa. (laughs) And the thing was, he couldn't find a job. He couldn't find a job when he graduated because every accounting firm he interviewed with, big eight, you're talking about your big eight, your biggest ones. Everyone said, you know what? You have such a bad accent. I can't hire you. And, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's true because, you know, the one thing that he wanted for his kids was to have a better life, right? Than he did, did not have to work, you know, 80 hours in order to support five kids. That was, that was his one goal. And you're absolutely right. You know, when we're doing it, when we're working hard and we're working twice as hard, we're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it to change that legacy that we inherited it. I love that. And so, we're going to get into the aspects of the entrepreneurship in the book, but um, when you're telling your story and your journey, um, when did you like what you're working for that company? When did you, are you working for yourself now? Um, Like what is the main focus for you? Um, You know, I know you help a lot of families and you help, you know, uh, entrepreneurs and stuff like that. Is that kind of the main focus currently for, for your business over the last couple of years? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm definitely an entrepreneur now. <laughs> Never saw that happening. Um, I actually started my business 13 years ago. My my daughter is the same age as my business. And it's interesting because, you know, I actually started the business when I was on maternity leave with her. And it was funny because, you know, when I was leaving my last corporate job, you know, I always tell people I wasn't like the cute pregnant. I wasn't like the the, the nice pointy pregnant. I was like the wide pregnant. And, and, and in my corporate job, I was literally responsible for all the Canadian operations. And so like, you know, living in Houston, I had to take you know, a plane just about every week to Toronto. And I remember like just getting on a plane. I probably was like, probably like seven months pregnant and not allowed to be on a plane because you're not supposed to be on a plane when you're third trimester semester. But nobody ever asked you how pregnant you are. So you just get on the plane, right? And I remember being wide pregnant and I wasn't able to fit in the seat anymore. And it hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, my life is really about to change. Like really about to change. I'm not going to be able to fly every week the way I used to be. And that's when I really started thinking about, you know, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? with my life. And so, you know, hence when my daughter was born, Florence was born and Florence is so proud because she's in the book. She's like, you know, chapter one, line one, you know, (laughs) to reclaim the fame (laughs) when you're 13. Right. Um, You know, I was like, you know, what am I going to do? And so hence Marga CPU, it was born. It was born because I wanted to have that life balance between my daughter and, 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 you know, really being able to continue my career as a working mom. And it was interesting because what I found was, you know, you know, when you own your own business, you work harder than you ever work in a corporate job, right? Because it's your baby. I call Florence and the company that they're twins, you know, they're literally twins. And, you know, and I live the story of entrepreneurial poverty, you know, literally around the third year of my business, you know, my husband sat me down at the dinner table. He's like, Suzanne, um, honey. I think you're better off getting a job, if you, you know, because if you get a job, you're going to have more time and probably more money, right? <laughs> Being honest with you in entrepreneurship. And he was absolutely right, you know, because at my last corporate job, I had plenty of money, right? I was a manager, you know, I had staff reporting to be so I could offload the workload and redistribute it if I needed to. And, and, you know, plus I had the 401k, right? In the corporate world. 
And it was really, that was my turning point in my business, right? That was where, you know, I had found Mike McCallowitz and I was like, oh my gosh, I need this program. I need, I need Profit First. You know, he had recruited a religious diehard for Profit First. And it really was implementing Profit First, you know, and starting to take my Profit First and creating a system of bank accounts, like kind of like Dave Ramsey's envelope system, where I really prioritize profit. I prioritize my owner's pay because, you know, so many business owners that I meet every day, you know, I'm like, how much do you pay yourself? Like, what's your salary? And they're like, oh, whatever's left, whatever's left. They don't even know what their bottom line is, you know, at, at tax time. It's so interesting to watch them shake in their boots, you know, like how many, how much my tax going to be like? And, you know, and I'm like, you know, you don't know that number, you know, but the profit for a system, what it does is it allows you to know that number as you're going through it. And not only that, but because you have a tax account, right? You have a tax account that's actually set up aside. You're able to like pay your taxes at the end of the year. So it's not this big surprise at the end of the year that you're like, man, I'm going to have to finance this year's taxes, you know, or last year's taxes with this year's taxes and, and play that game. No, you've got that money reserved in the envelope. So it really ended up being a life changer for me, a life changer for many of my clients. And, you know, hopefully it's going to be a life changer for the world once this book is like let out, right? How's everybody doing? Guys, I want to talk today about our sponsor for May. You know, a good friend of mine, Mark Simpson, runs a company, uh, boostly.co.uk. Guys, everybody knows that I'm in the short-term rental space for many years. And I think one of the reasons, one of the quotes he said to me was, you can't build your real estate on somebody else's property. And it really resonated with me because we are so reliant on an Airbnb, a home away, these systems, right? And in headed into this year, it's very important that we get direct bookings and they're the best in the business at this. So in 2021, everybody needs to be building a website to create direct bookings. And you can't rely on an Airbnb, plus you're giving them a ton of money. And so 64% of all the websites are powered by WordPress. And these uh, private message companies that offer you the free website. They're not on WordPress. And so it's this trick that they're doing. And, you know, these guys are the best in the business, the best in the world. And I'm not just saying that uh, because I use them. I'm saying that because they are. It's the simple fact is that they they service over 600 clients worldwide and you need to get this done. And you can get it started for as little as 99 bucks a month. And you could do that with one property, a hundred properties, but you need to be capturing emails. You need to be sending uh, direct marketing back to these guests. And the way to do that is to create a website. And these guys are the best in the business. When you get direct bookings, you're saving money every year and the profit margins can be exponential. And so if you want to learn more about them, head on over to boostly.co.uk slash construct your life. Not only is Mark a great entrepreneur and CEO, but he's a great person as well. So, in that moment, because I'm sure anybody that's listening's had that moment where it's that put up or shut up or, you know, what what did you tell your husband? What kept you from from jumping back into the job world? Because it's tempting. It's easy. We know that we know that world. And a lot of the stress is taken away. Like what stopped you from from doing that? 
Well, I told him that I was going to find a way to pay myself a salary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what I, told him. I like the sound. And of I that. had to make it happen. You know what I mean? I had to make it happen. Um, you know, I had to really start to redistribute how the expenses were being done, you know. And when I paid payroll to my employees, I had to make sure I had a check too. He wanted to fix them out back then, you know. Um, and so I was able to do that. And he was really patient, you know, as we built up the salary. But um, but yeah, you know, you can't just leave it as you're not going to pay yourself for the next three years too. He wanted a paycheck now. <laughs> well, what's interesting is I've met a lot of high performers through the podcast and just through my network. And what's interesting is they actually, that, that thing of like, Hey, we pay ourselves what's left extra. Like I think is, but, but, but I look at it from more of a, of a, of a whole life thing. I think that we do that in our life to almost everything. And what I mean by that is I like, if they are going to spend time with their kids, they schedule it. If they're going to, meditate or work out, they schedule it. Like we, we, we are, we are guilty to a fault, large majority of us to just let our family, our profits, our health, everything get whatever is left. And I think it's the number one thing that is crushing America right now, instead of, like you said, paying yourself first, but, but, but why paying yourself more, you're, you're buying into abundance instead of scarcity. Exactly. And and really, it's about knowing what does winning look like, right? Before you even begin, knowing what your end goal is, like, what's your why? You know, like Simon Sinek says, what's your why? What is it that you really want to accomplish? And nobody wants to build a business. And when they're ready to retire at 65, and their back hurts, you know, and be like, well, um, there's nothing for you, right? Because so many entrepreneurs, right? They're so focused on expenses, right? And how do we keep our taxes low that in the day they're not paying into the system. And so they don't have social security at the end of the day. And I hate to break it to you guys. I know that everyone's worried that social security won't be around when they retire, but um, what if it is? And what if you've been running a loss all these years? You're not going to get anything, right? Nothing. Maybe if you're lucky and your spouse was working a job, you might get some of their social security money, but you won't get anything, right? So, so stop trying to fight the tax man and drive up expenses. If you don't need a truck, don't buy a truck right? If you don't need a cabinet, don't buy a cabinet, right? I'd rather you have profit and be able to like start to set up those 401ks for yourself, set up those IRAs for yourself or the step IRAs. And then, you know, and then have something in the system that you do get some social security too with it. So, I mean, like definitely stop fighting the tax man because at the end of the day, you're just cutting your own ankles. I couldn't agree more. And so inside the book, we don't got to touch on every little point. But I all everybody says, you know, what should I do? But more importantly, I, I like to talk about what they shouldn't do. So you 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 oversee, uh, you know, a lot of people's businesses. You help people in their business. That's what the book is for. What do you believe? Let's say one, two, or three is the top things that entrepreneurs are doing that they need to stop today. You know, I think the first thing is they need to stop running their business randomly. You know what I mean? To stop running it randomly. Like I get whatever is left over. You know, that's the problem with the whole accounting equation. Revenue minus expenses equals profit. I mean, I, I got a license in that equation, right? We were trained to algebraically configure numbers to figure out what we need to do um, in order to achieve certain different lines and different metrics, you know, and just really just, you know, stop being random with your results, you know, decide what you want to make, right? What you want to bring home, what you need to bring home, what 
what your lifestyle goal is and then algebraically figure it out. You know, like how much revenue do I need to sell? How much do I need to price it at? You know, if I'm selling bracelets, right? How many bracelets do I really need to sell in order to, to meet my end goal? Maybe that's not the business I need to be in. Maybe I can't scale in that direction, you know, by making homemade bracelets, you know what I mean? And just figure out, you know, is this model going to work for me based upon how much I need to make a living and how much time it's going to take for my life in order to get to my goals, you know? So start with what does winning look like? And then start to algebraically figure out how to get there with that, you know? And then the second thing I would say is, you know, once you figure out your why with that is, you know, create a system of getting there, right? Create that system. You know, I love profit first, you know, profit first work for me. Um, You know, it's a system that forces that to happen, you know, and forces me to make those buckets. And then number three is make those hard decisions. You know, too many of of entrepreneurs and this randomness, we allow things that don't work to continue there, right? So we keep those employees on that, you know, <laughs> they've been loyal to, to us from the beginning, but they just haven't been able to grow with us, right? They haven't been able to scale with us. And, and really, at some point, maybe setting them free might be the right thing so they can find their own happiness with that. You know, um, maybe we're, you know, we're, we, the world is changing. We're still keeping these magazine subscriptions around that, you know, I don't know about you, Austin, but you know, in our office, nobody comes in there anymore, right? Everybody wants yeah. to be on Zoom now, or they want to talk on the phone. Nobody comes in, and like, you know, I got these beautiful magazines that were sitting on like the table, and they were coming in, and nobody was even looking at them. You know, it actually cost me to get the, you know, the addresses, you know, cut out on them. You know, there was no point in having these magazine subscriptions. So evaluate those expenses. You know, why are we still paying for things? Are they generating an ROI? Is it even necessary in this day and age by how we're doing? business. You know, for some of you guys, you know, you're locked into these huge leases, right? That are long, you know, do I need to be, you know, maybe I need to just renew year by year, see what's happening in this economy right now, make sure that really makes sense that I'm renewing these leases because, you know, if everyone's switching to this virtual world and this is going to be the next way and I'm building this more nationwide model, maybe I don't need to have like this office space that has plenty of empty cubicles anymore because I'm just not going to use it. Just be able to constantly look at what's going on in your business and make decisions. So those are the things I would recommend that you do. There's so much there. I could hit on 17 different things, but I think the most important thing is, you know, if you, if you talk to enough people, there's, there's two things, there's two things that they believe are the new currency in America, being able to pivot and how quick can you learn? And by you locking yourself into these certain things, we don't know what's coming down the pipeline and we have to be able to pivot and move and learn quick. Technology is changing things. But something I want to hit on, and I love to hear your experience with this. This is something I fight with my entrepreneurs that I coach on a daily basis. And I've learned it from my mentors. Be careful with the amount of overhead that you have because it's going to create, it's going to make you do things that maybe you don't truly want to. And what I mean by that is I know a ton of guys who like, I'm going to scale. It's going to get crazy. And then their overhead is $50,000 a month, but they're only making 10 K. And yet if they brought their overhead down to a thousand bucks, they might profit 30,000. Just because you need to grow a team, just because you need to scale doesn't mean you should. Exactly. That is exactly true. You know, I had a conversation with a client and she was a new business. And the first thing that happens when you get a new business. Yeah. All these vendors start coming to you, right? Yellow pages, like who looks at the yellow pages, right? Uh, but everybody wants you to buy something. And then, you know, a copier company came to her. You need to lease this 
copier machine, right? And I'm like, just go out and get a brother for 200 bucks. I mean, how many copies are you really going to be making? You know, but all these things become fixed costs, right? They become fixed contracts for you. And just like Austin says, avoid those fixed costs, you know, avoid those commitments because, you know, you might not need it. And it, and there's there's usually a less expensive way. Well, I mean, think of it from, from, from this point of view. It's like, don't get me wrong. Like, I would love, like, a boat. Like, I, I would love a boat. But we all know what kind of expense and upkeep that takes. So if, if, I were to, if I were to say, what if I'm going to use the boat four times a year, right? It's something I really care about. And I were to spend, let's say, a thousand bucks. That's four thousand bucks, opposed to spending maybe like sixty thousand dollars. And so, as we become a society of renters, the vehicles to create that, whether it be a nice home, whether it be a vacation, I think a lot of them might initially be a harder pill to swallow up front. But I think in the long run, if you took the use of time and money, I think that overall, it's going to probably be better to rent or pay for something instead of create what you said, which really rings true with me, those fixed costs. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I know one of the things that our company, we, we were going back and forth right before COVID, I'm so glad that we didn't pursue this, was buying an office building, like actually buying a building. And, you know, at the time, it seemed like a great idea. You know, I mean, you have your permanent space, you could lease it out. And it's still a great idea. But the question became is, how long are you really going to practice? You know, are you really going to practice 30 more years? Are you going to live 30 more years? You know what I mean? And so, you know, it's just thinking about what is the long-term potential on this? And, you know, is it, and, you know, where we're at in Houston, you know, office space, I mean, right now you can walk down the street or drive down the street and you see like vacant vacancies everywhere. It's just, mm-hmm. just how the economy has gone. So just really thinking about, you know, how are you going to utilize the space or how you're going to utilize this in the long term if you're going to go ahead and make a big expensive purchase. It's the same thing with the websites and all these things. You know, we're 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 starting a new business like next to this week and we just got off a call and he's like, do we like we do we need to do this, all these things? No, we don't need to do any of those things. It's it sounds like we do, but let, let's let the business create the scale. Let's let the business create the the need to do these things. And so um, on the overall book, you know, what, who who is this book for? Who are you teaching kind of like when you, when you sat down to write it, like what, what's the message that you're trying to get out there to people? You know, it's a book that, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously a book that's really catered towards minority business enterprise, the minority owned business, people of color, but really there's tidbits of information for everybody in this book. You know, there's a mm-hmm. tax section where, you know, my clients pay me thousands of dollars to get access to this information. That's all in there for you, you know, and it's not in the original profit first book and it's not in the profit first book. So you're going to want to read that. Um, you know, also, you know, it's the truth about government contracting. You know, we talk about the illusion of the million. You know, there's so many people that are like excited about, oh my gosh, if I just get this, 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 this government contract, I'll be a millionaire, you know, because when you're doing, you know, seven figure contracts, there has to be a little bit left for you. Right. And it's interesting because a lot of times what we find is, you know, with these government contracts, just because of our the request for proposal process, you know, the RP bidding process that they, they get the price so low that it's actually sometimes hard to make a profit in that type of business, right? Especially unless you're not, unless you're sole sourcing, right? Because you have so much, especially if you're in a commoditized business. So we talk about, you know, how to make money in government contracts. If you want to even get into that, right? How to do that. Um, so again, these are topics that are, you know, not talking 
talked about anywhere and and you'll be able to get access to that no matter what the color of your skin is for that um but definitely you know it's it's a book you know primary target for for gen one as i call it people of color but like i said there's there's tidbits for everybody in there you know we had our kirkus review that kirkus is like like the one of the harshest reviewers out there and one of their comments was like, you know, this book is actually invaluable for all entrepreneurs, no matter who you are. It's a must read. I love that. And so what do you think uh, is the mechanism or the the bit part of the business that, that entrepreneurs get wrong the most? Meaning like, what is the thing that they should focus on that's really going to drive their business towards success? Well, you know, part of it, like in the beginning, like we talked about, it's just really being intentional about the results. That's the biggest thing. If you start with the why, you will get to the how. Um, and then the second thing is, is when they're scaling, and that's morally what we specialize in businesses that are scaling. So they're, you know, our smallest clients are half a million. They go up to like 50 million in revenue. And one of the issues that happens when they're scaling, what prevents companies from scaling, like what did they say, 4% actually reach seven figures at the end of the day is, you know, the owner can't let go. They want to do it all. You know what I mean? Mm. And and that works when you first start, you know, that works, you know, because, you know, you start a business because you love what you do and you don't have enough clients, so you can do it all. But as you grow, that's the one thing that will keep your ankles cut is that you cannot really do it all right and continue to go you there's only everybody has eight hours a day they you know or 24 hours a day and they have seven days a week 365 days in a year and i don't care who you are you don't get more right nobody gets more but there are people that seem to accomplish more with the same amount of time and they do it because they learn to leverage the talents of others and if you want to scale your business and you want to grow and you want to become that seven figure multi seven figure you have to learn to cultivate the power of your team hmm. It's the truth. I read a book, changed my life from my business partner, told me to read it before we started our latest construction company called Built to Sell. And uh, he basically says like, it's a fictional story of a guy who has a marketing company for 15 years and he wants to sell it. And he goes to his mentor and mentor says, how much is my business worth? And the mentor says nothing. (laughs) And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you haven't built a you, you are the commodity. If you're the commodity, you don't have a business. And so the whole book is like shifting around a product and, and lo- localizing this thing. And I think, I think the number one issue that I see in business is, is, is super simple. I think it sounds so crazy to just say it off the tip of my tongue, but people don't understand the difference between gross profit and net profit. I mean, oh, yeah. I know that's, I know that sounds so stupid, but everybody is so quick to boast their gross. And, and only because I've seen the inside of businesses, I don't care. <laughs> exactly. It's the bottom line that counts, right? Usually when we see businesses that sell and we use the Hoover's report to kind of get a baseline of what the valuation is going to be, you know, it, it grow, it, they sell for a percentage of, of revenue or a multiple profit, right? So in between there is where that negotiation happens. And so you can have like the biggest top line in the world, right? You can have the multi seven figure government contracts, right? But if you don't have any profit, right, you don't have much to negotiate on. So it's a combination of both that really matter. I love it. So if people want to find out about the book, they want to find out about your journey, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, to get to the book, um, our website for our book sales is 
ProfitFirstMBE.com. So that's ProfitFirstMBE.com, or you can go to Amazon and find Profit First for Minority Business Enterprises on that. Um, I do have a free Profit First Masterclass that I do um, pretty regularly where we actually teach you the ins and outs of Profit First. So if you want to learn Profit First um, directly from us, we do have a masterclass. You can find that on Facebook. Make sure it has Profit First Masterclass with Suzanne Mariga, but definitely check out the book. Um, Amazon has it, um, but it, um, to get the book sales information is ProfitFirstMBE.com. And we do have some amazing bonuses too, if you pre-order that book. And guys, uh, you know, a book like Profit First, and I'm sure this one too, I haven't got my chance to read it, but I will. Um, it, it's one of those things where you, you know, my tagline for this podcast is too many people create a business and then build a lifestyle around it. I'm trying to build a lifestyle and then wrap a business around it. And this technique, this, this, what she's talking about here allows you the freedom to really create the life that you want to lead and not be, um, you know, beholden to your business and not be, as they say, you know, working on your business, not in your business. And that's what we're talking about here. That's what this whole conversation is. So if you feel like you're in a position where you just can't get ahead and you don't know where the money's going, I, I promise you a book like this and, and, and the Profit First system will, will create the space that you need to get back to your life, <laughs> which, which I think we all understand that mechanism when it comes to building businesses. Thank you, Austin. Uh, it's my pleasure. Guys, if you like this episode, Make sure you send it out to your friends, rate us and review us, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Construct Your Life with Austin Lenny. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to start constructing your life by taking immediate action on what you learned. For show notes, resources, and more information on one-on-one coaching with Austin, visit constructyourlifepodcast.com.